Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Edge of Innovation. A quick word before we get going. Would you please head over to iTunes and leave a review and rating for the podcast? It would really help us connect with people who are interested in technology and business and the future of innovation. It would really help us out. Thanks. This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. So again, we're trying to talk about anonymity. So I have pondered, okay, how do you become anonymous? Sure. All right. So one of the things that has been a prerequisite is to have a phone nowadays. You have to have a phone Mm -hmm. in order to receive a text message or a phone call, which is proof of who you are, a validation of who you are. Well, there's unfortunately a huge loophole out here where you can go to Walmart and buy a phone. Mm-hmm. And if you buy it with cash, there is no record of you buying that phone. Right, that phone's not connected by Visa's data to Paul Parisi. Right. Um, I have to usually buy a card to charge it or something like that you know right. a, a, a sim card with 100 minutes on it or something but now i have that now there could have been a surveillance camera that caught me purchasing something at walmart at that time right the thing that's unknown to me which i don't believe is the case is i do not believe walmart or your local uh, neighborhood convenience store rec- um says that at, you know, 9.45 p.m., somebody bought a prepaid cell phone. Right. But if if they did, of this serial number, okay, I don't think they're registering that. They would be wise to. Yeah. Because then when I go and make that, you know, that bomb threat with that Mm -hmm. call, there's uh, things called an IMEI number and different codes that are recognized by the, the cell system that can tell what phone made that. And it's physically in the phone. Right. So um, I could say, oh my gosh, you know, we have this phone out there that people, this person is calling and threatening a bomb threat. Sure. Hmm. We want to do something about it. We want to catch this guy. So if the IMEI number is registered to that serial number, mm-hmm. and we could find out that it was bought at 945 at Walmart on the 15th, we could look at the camera footage, and see that, gee, it was a guy who was six feet tall with black hair and glasses. And, oh, my gosh, when we find this guy in a lineup, it looks just like him. It's just like me. The other thing that happens when you use a cell phone is they know where you are. They know from both GPS and also from cell tower use. So which cell tower you're near. So if you go and buy one of these prepaid phones and you use it from your house they're going to know that somebody's using this phone from that house. Right. So, okay, so we go out and we buy the phone, and we go somewhere, I guess near our house, yeah. you know, within 10 miles or something. If you're standing in your neighbor's front yard. Yeah, you go stand in your neighbor's front yard. Um, and we go to Google, and we want to register for an account. Okay, so let's we, we go to the local McDonald's. Okay. We have this phone. We are using their Wi-Fi, which is free. Yeah. We don't have a, uh, a proxy server. We don't have anything yet. We just have a computer. 
So now we need to do some things to secure our computer. We need to go and change what is called the MAC address, uh -huh. the media access control address. Mm -hmm. And that is the serial number of the network card in your machine. Uh -huh. It's relatively easy to change. You can override it in the software. So if you figure that out, you go with your laptop and you change the MAC address. Mm -hmm. You also download a browser that, that allows no tracking whatsoever. You might even run um, a OS that allows no tracking whatsoever. You go to google.com and you want to sign up for a new address. Right. Now, would like Tor or something like that be a, uh, one of those browsers that does not allow for... It would. Um, Google doesn't like Tor. And if you use Chrome, Chrome is engineered to give Google as much information as possible. Sure. So don't use Chrome. Right. Um, you could use private mode in Internet Explorer, private mode in Opera, or private mode in Firefox, and they're relatively good. If you want to be extremely careful, use something called Tails, which is an operating system and browser environment that allows you to boot on an ISO. There have been rumors that the FBI tracks everybody who downloads Tails. I find that difficult to believe, but okay, let's say they do. So I go to my McDonald's, I change my MAC address so that my machine can't be tracked, and I go to a browser that doesn't share um, the fonts I have and all the different things that could be used to fingerprint me. Sure. And I have my trusty little phone there. I go to Google. And uh, I, 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 you could try and use a proxy server if you happen to have one. But again, we're, we're, we've just been born. Right, we right. don't exist. Um, if you use a proxy server, Google will say, I'm sorry, you can't access us through this proxy server. So anyway, so I have my phone sitting there. I go to Google. I sign up and I say, I want a new email address. You know, anonymous at Google.com, let's right. say. And it says, well, in order to validate you, you have to give us a phone number. Mm -hmm. Well, where do I get a phone? Well, I have a phone number. I just bought one. Right? I just bought one. And so now I have gotten around um, the chief way in which they validate that you're real. Right. Now, we need to assume that Google has a fingerprint of me from mm -hmm. that browser, from whatever it could get. Right. And a browser that's clean is as much as a fingerprint as a browser that has all the different fonts and all those things in it. So we go to the next step. We say, gee, I want an account um, at wherever it might be, um, Amazon or whatever. Right. And I can do this by buying gift cards. Mm -hmm. So I can go out and buy gift cards with cash. And now I am relatively anonymous on the web. Now I need to be very careful because I don't want to log in with that Google account at my home. Right. Or with a different browser. Which means you probably need to turn the computer off and it's sufficiently dead way where it's not going to like occasionally ping yeah that's not as much as the concern the concern is doing something humanly stupid where you just forget you're not connected right that okay. you're connected and you use that browser and it opens and it goes back to your google page and automatically logs you in like it does because if you drive around with your phone i mean with your computer and you use it you know, use it in New York City, fly to London, and right. open your browser up, you're still logged into Google. Right. But they know you're in London and New York. You were in New York, mm -hmm. now you're in London. So the fact of the matter is, is you have a legitimate, you're a legitimate brand new user on the internet. You've validated yourself through this phone. Sure. Now, what could the authorities get on you? Well, there was a phone that was used at this McDonald's, because they know that both from the cell phone tracking from the GPS location potentially in the cell phone. They know that from the McDonald's 
Wi-Fi logs. Oh, right. Uh, they can look at your MAC address mm-hmm. and see, okay, it was a MAC address. They could go back, and if they knew it was a Dell MAC address, they could say, who owns, the, who did you sell that MAC address to? Right. Th- that computer with that network card that had that MAC address to. But since we've changed it now, they can't go to Dell and you right. know, they could go to Dell and say, well, we never issued that MAC address. Again, this would be a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, detectives would have to do it. Or just the idea of having to go through all the work of getting this stuff set up and then, like, for example, buying stuff on Amazon anonymously, having to go get the gift cards. Right. I mean, it just sounds like you're committing. Yeah, it's definitely work. Now, the problem with buying something on Amazon is you need to have it delivered. Right. <laughs> so, unless it's a digital good, yeah. you need to have it delivered somewhere. Now, if it were a digital good, would they be able to track, like, oh, there's a code, you know, you downloaded um, this Beatles album, and now you've got it playing on this computer. Early in the iTunes days, there was rumors, I don't know if it was true, but when they switched from proprietary to MP3, when you could download MP3s that you could effectively give to somebody else, that your name was in the metadata. Huh. I don't know if that was ever the case. And I don't know that about Amazon, actually. That's a, a great question. To, to really look at that and see if it is. Now, the name isn't going to be sitting there, Paul Parisi. It's going to be some big hash of the name. But you could go in and potentially strip those out. Sure. But if I were doing it, I would make it so you couldn't strip it out and it would be part of the data in the, in the file. So I don't know. That's a great question. It's plausible Yeah. To, to your point. So you could buy something and you put it on a server. So you buy it as new person. And then you go and put it up on a server as yourself, right. <laughs> you know, as your real self. If Amazon could track that and see, well, you just stole that and you just bought it and now yeah. you're giving it away. Yeah. Where did you, your you know, real Jacob, get that from? Yeah. Oh, I downloaded it illegally somewhere else or I bought it as yeah, my yeah. anonymous self. You know, sure. so that could be a problem in that sort of payload, using a payload to track who mm-hmm. you are. It is difficult with these prepaid phones, that is the biggest loophole for becoming anonymous. Or it's the biggest opportunity for becoming anonymous. Right. There are also, you know, there are phone apps that will, that will, as a service, allow you to make a phone call through this app that they promise is anonymous. Sure. Well, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you're trusting them. And they must have some logs or some, maybe they don't, you know, but there's all these different um, services out there that do that. Yeah. And they make it very easy to do it. So it could be that it is anonymous or it might not be. So some of the proxy servers, for, for example, this is a great example. You buy a proxy server service. If it's an American company, they have to keep logs of who used the proxy service. So I know that Jacob bought it and I know that he used it at 9.45 p.m. and he went to this weapons website and he bought you know you know five nuclear missiles and that's that's illegal well all the u.s does government does is go to that and say let me see the logs and we can now correlate that and see that it was jacob so if i use overseas proxy services companies that are overseas they have different log keeping Mm -hmm. and there are several companies that don't keep any logs so the issue is is even american companies can do that they can say we don't keep logs right So if you don't have them, there's nothing to produce. This seems to kind of touch onto the issue of, you know, is the internet inherent, like, 
does it have to be inherently anonymous or is it an inherent right that then has to be protected by free speech or something like that? Because if we're a country to legislate that sort of thing, yeah. it strikes me as getting to that sort of dynamic. You know, I, I don't know, I, personally, what is a right? right. You know, what, what we have personal agency in our actions. And there are certain things that our society has deemed to be inappropriate. Going into a building and yelling fire, whether you're anonymous sure. or not, is wrong. Most people will, will yeah, say yeah. that it's wrong. I mean, you should be aware that there, there is this whole postmodern philosophy that permeates our culture. And I'll, it'll, it'll, the example I give will be absurd, but we are moving quickly towards this level of absurdity. That if you want to say there's a fire, you should be able to say there's a fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't even need to believe it. You just yeah, you yeah. should be have that right to express yourself. Mm-hmm. And the postmodern philosophy says that whatever you think is is whatever you think, and it's good. Mm-hmm. And you know we can we can do this or we can do this, and we can whatever circumstance we define. Right. Um, what is right in that circumstance that is the the fundamental sort of tenet of postmodern philosophy and there's and most of what you see in society is based on that and america right now is at a crossroads where you can't tell anybody that something is wrong mm-hmm. down to the point of some you know early childhood education things where it's okay for a kid to believe 2 plus 2 is 5 right i know that sounds absurd but there are people that want to you know it's better to encourage and empower the child rather than say no there are rules and facts so having said that you know your question is is should it be anonymous or should it be should we have control over what we say and do and really what you're asking isn't should we have control over what we say and what we do and what the government observes Mm -hmm. Um, because we already have control over that we don't need right to do the wrong thing or the right thing. Yeah. And we need to be responsible. See, then that's really the, the gist here is who's responsible. And right. um, the ration rationale of thinking that, well, the government shouldn't be able to watch me doing things that are irresponsible and hold me accountable to them. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but if you are being a responsible individual in a society, right. you should take that on yourself. Right. And, and I think that's really the crux of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, I've given you a way to do things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. But you should be a conscious, active participant in society. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a problem. You shouldn't do those things. Because right. it's not best for you. It's not best for you to go into a school and say there's a fire. Right. But, you know, I want free speech. Well... That doesn't extend to that because it's not reasonable. So is anonymity on the Internet, is that an aspect of free speech then? Um, I don't think so. You know, you could be a dissident in in a country that is is suppressing your your views on society. So you want to say that this country, this government is wrong. Think of North Korea. Somebody wants to say something. Well, anonymity would help that person. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, they're in a, in a highly controlled state. So for us to come over from the outside to say, oh, you need to allow anon- anonymity. Well, governments in Korea, North Korea is going to say, that's crazy. Why would we do that? Yeah. 
We don't want the results of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have some semblances in America of anonymity. You know, you can go to a chat board and sign in and say something. Yeah. Um, if you say something that's illegal and inflammatory, you you probably will find that you don't have the anonymity you thought you did. Yeah. If you use this technique I've told you about, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I think the 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 thing really focuses on personal responsibility. Sure. I mean, free speech is a privilege. I think not a right, mm-hmm. um, because you have to use some judgment when yeah. you exercise free speech. Now, you know, in America, we have people on all sides of different political persuasions and uh, sociological persuasions, and they can say things that are deeply offensive to another persuasion, and that is protected. Right. Uh, But it isn't protected to go into a room and say there's a fire. Right. So there is a reasonableness there, and there is almost pride in America in that ability for somebody to say something offensive. And I think we need to protect that, because... At some point, somebody is going to say something that's offensive to you. And if you had the ability to punitively punish them, right. that would not be a free and open society. Sure. So you're saying, how does that translate to the Internet? And yeah. how does the Internet do that? And I, I don't think, I mean, again, there's a semblance mm-hmm. of anonymity because of the technology you know if you 200 years ago, if you wrote a note and posted it to a wall or a door and nobody could identify your handwriting maybe you pieced it together out of magazines right right um they couldn't figure out who you were right right it's just it's not possible now they might go and dig through the trash and find out that you cut all the letters out of the magazine and you're trash they might yeah, yeah. be able to say you know but it wasn't simple mm-hmm. it's not simple now but it wasn't i couldn't comprehend that it was simple then. right so i don't know if that answers your question no i mean i guess in some ways as we're talking about this i am beginning to think about how uh, you know, it's funny, I, uh, you know, I love my wife dearly, but if she sits next to me, I get, uh, while I might be, you know, looking at Facebook or something mm-hmm. like that, I, I feel like, why are you watching over my shoulder? Like, there's like, kind of like a, you mm-hmm. know, you're watching over my shoulder, this is slightly annoying. There, there is a sense in which some of this aspect of being able to fingerprint and the anonymity uh, rubs us the wrong way, but I'm not, I guess I'm just curious, is there something to be concerned about with, you know, the way in which we are fingerprinted and should we be more cautious about those things or is it just kind of a part of, you know, this is just the way the world is and get used to it? Well, I think it is the world the way the world is, so tough. Uh, if you want to use the services, you ultimately control what you do. That's really the personal responsibility. You can reduce your fingerprint to nothing. Right. Don't use Facebook. Don't do this. Sure. But you make a value judgment every time you use it. That the, mm-hmm. the value outweighs the the personal information I'm giving away. Right. And, you know, so I don't know what people are worried about. Um, you know, because, you know, let's let's take, you know, if, if I were interested in basketball and the government outlawed basketball and was going to send, you know, uh, jackbooted thugs to go around and kill everybody that was interested in basketball Mm -hmm. and the people were behind it Mm -hmm. that's a pretty absurd statement i mean you know you could talk about you know polarizing um ideas such as pro-life or pro-choice so one of those becomes you know completely unacceptable and they send out thugs to kill the people that believe it right um 
that's a little absurd, you know, yeah, for yeah. now, but you know, it, it isn't absurd given our history of the 20, 20th century of what's happened, you yeah. know, in, in Nazi Germany, you know, just by being a certain race, you could be killed, you know? Sure. So the technology allows the government to identify those people, you know, and is it ever going to happen again? I, I, gosh, I hope not. Yeah. But it has happened. It's, it's weird because we could be theorizing about this, but what happened is it, it actually, you know, if you were sympathizer to a, a Jew in, in Nazi Germany, you could be killed. Right. Wow. So, you know, let's extrapolate that our silly thing. If, if I liked basketball and they put basketball on my Verizon cable and everybody who watches it gets a visit by the jackbooted thugs. Yeah, yeah. That's absurd. Yeah, yeah. But it happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, the more polarizing thing. Yeah, know, yeah. Really, actually a more absurd thing, you know. I mean, you know, you could say, uh, I, I, don't, I like, you know, B science fiction movies, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're really bad. Well, then obviously you have no judgment and right. don't deserve to yeah, live. Yeah. You know, that would be more reasonable than what's actually happened. Sure. So, I, I don't know. You know, I, again, we all have the option to opt out. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can just choose to not participate. That is the ultimate in privacy, the ultimate in anonymity. Mm-hmm. You know, use cash for all your transactions. But, you know, I, I don't think you're going to go home tonight and say, I'm giving up all my technology. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to The Edge of Innovation. I hope it's helping you hack the future of business. If you could head over to iTunes, it would be really helpful if you could leave us a rating and review. It would help us connect with other people who are interested, just like you, in hacking the future of business. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.